welcome to the Her and Him podcast. I'm Dale. And I'm Tamara. And when two theologians get married, what you get is a podcast. You know what my favorite thing to do right now is? What? Tell me. Go to the grocery store. Ew. That's probably my favorite thing. I don't know if it's the scarcity of eggs or if it's the scary masks on people's face or the the fear and anxiety or the people (laughs) that I hear cussing at each other because they're getting within their six foot bubble. But there's just something about the grocery store right now. You know, it just reminds me of my dysfunctional childhood. That's encouraging. It just takes me back. But you know, (laughs) going to the grocery store, that's about the most human contact that Mm. I get outside of the people who share my last name these days. I remember how excited I was to finally be the one to go to the grocery store. We were arguing over who got to have the opportunity to venture out to the grocery store. And as excited as I was to go somewhere, I came back equally terrified of what I saw. You came back (laughs) flustered and you came back with the most random items. She came back with flounder. We've never eaten flounder. She came back with like six pounds of salmon. And some random ground beef patties that were right. just laying in the aisle. But she's like, I need to get something. And she just grabbed it. It was an interesting food week, but it was good. I liked it. It was. I mean, it turned out well. But in my defense, I was really overwhelmed because you've been the one who's done all the grocery shopping since we've been told to stay home. And I had no idea what to expect. I didn't adequately warn you. you I did not prepare you. you didn't I apologize. Tell me that civilization has completely changed on me. Like I walked out and it was like a whole new year or something. I have no idea what happened to everyone. Why is everyone angry? And people were actually mad at me because I was looking at the salmon, trying to weigh like how much do we need? Yeah, do I need how many twelve ounces? or fourteen pounds? Right. And so I was trying to look at it, and this lady behind me was like. <clears throat> And I was like, oh my goodness, where normally if you could stand closer to each other, you know, she would have been able to look alongside me, but instead I was holding her up and as I look back, it's her and two other people waiting to look in the section that I was in. So I was really overwhelmed and just started grabbing things and sticking them in the cart without actually thinking through them the way that I normally do. So all that to be said... We're living in a day and age where we could all use a little bit more human contact because we're not getting a lot of it. And the human contact that we are getting is not necessarily giving us the warm and fuzzies. So I guess what I'm trying to say is what we're really missing is community. We are. And right now, I find myself really longing for community. Not that my community with you isn't wonderful, but... There is something about enjoying other people's company, people that are different from you, people who can be sounding boards in your life. There's something about being in person and being able to share a cup of coffee, have a conversation. I've had a lot of Zoom calls lately, and people that I normally will sit down and talk to for hours and hours, we end up kind of just sitting and staring at each other on Zoom because it's it's not the same as being in person. Well, and I think also we're not really doing much, so there's kind of less to talk about. That's true. And I think too, I don't know if you're feeling this, but I certainly am, where I've been reading a little bit about Zoom burnout Mm. or Zoom fatigue. Yeah. Where sometimes I think, man, if I have to get on one more video conference today, like I just don't think I'm going to make it. Yeah. And really this longing for community is something that we all know we need. And for me, my struggle right now is... I am a very social person. It's part of my personality where I'm a bit of an extrovert and really love being around people, 
love going places and doing things. Sitting on the couch is not my favorite thing to do. And it is my favorite thing to do, and even I hate it right now. <laughs> right. It is something you truly enjoy. I actually find myself becoming really frustrated and grumpy because I just wish I could hang out with my friends, and I can't right now. There's something missing, and I can feel it, and I'm longing for it, and I feel lonely in some aspects, and just that longing for human interaction and even just going to church on a sunday morning i love that feeling of the controlled chaos all the people a lot of the people you know some people maybe you don't know that well but you're all in that place and that space for that purpose and it's really something that's missing that sense of belonging that sense of tribe really that sense of community yeah even the opportunity to meet someone new that longing for community is something all of humanity has and actually something we were built for. The Bible even talks about longing and belonging to community. Really the reason why we have that deep longing for community and the reason why we feel like when we're deprived of community, we're deprived of something of our humanity is because as humans, as people, we are created in the image of God and Within God himself is this eternal sense of community because God is one God, but he's three persons. He's God the Father, he's God the Son, he's God the Spirit. And from eternity past until now and into eternity future, those three have lived in perfect community. Just the the good things that we experience about community, about human connection, that God in these three persons has been experiencing those forever, has been lifting the other parts of the Godhead up, has been supporting, has been loving, has been giving and receiving love in just perfect harmony, that this is intrinsic to who God is. And when God created humanity, he built us with that same need, that same desire, the sense that we're not complete unless we're connected to him and to each other. And we even see that in Genesis when God creates Adam. God creates Adam, and Adam is naming all the animals, and he notices each animal has two, but he's only one. And so God says, it's not good that man should be alone. So that's when he sent Eve, and that's where the first human community started, and it really grew from there. Yeah, and you even see that moving throughout scripture. You see this idea of community. You see God's people being a group of people that are knit together, that are bonded together through the fact that they are God's chosen people. And even the way that he has called them to live has set them apart as a community of people. And kind of the purpose of Israel that they failed to live up to was that they were supposed to redeem community. Because the second part of that story in the garden is that when sin and brokenness entered the world, sin and brokenness also entered community where the man was turned against the woman and the woman was turned against the man. They had children, two sons that one killed the other. Yeah, that didn't end well. Yeah. And so there was this brokenness in the relationships between God and people and between people and people. And so that's why God chose Abraham. He says, I'm going to create a new nation out of your descendants. 
And from that nation, all the nations of the world will be blessed. I'm going to reconstitute a new kind of community, create a society that has this sense of uh, care for others and living in common love that I always intended for humanity, that's always been a part of who I am. It's going to be this nation. I'm going to set up these rules that kind of show you how to do that. And Israel became that nation, but they failed in that. And that's when Jesus came. And Jesus really was this new humanity, living in community, showing us what it looks like to be perfectly connected to God and connected to others. And even when the, I can't remember if it's the Pharisees that asked Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? And he I believe res- it was the Pharisees. It yeah. was the Pharisees, right? And he responds with loving God and loving others. Basically, the way that you interact with people matters And the way that you develop those relationships matters. Part of that is because that was built into who we are as humans. And Jesus himself had a community. He had people that were close to him, people that he let into his life, people that he opened up to and shared. Even the sorrows of his own life There are moments where he's reaching out to his disciples and asking them, like, just stay awake and pray with me. My heart is burdened. I am filled with this heavy weight and I need you as my people, as the people that I've connected to. I need you. It's easy for us, I think, as Americans to, well, really as this Western culture, to look at scripture and all of scripture and read it very individualized. We look at it and we think, I, how does this apply to me? How does this apply to my life and my specific situation? But in Eastern culture, the way they would have understood all of scripture is not I, but we. They would have seen what they did as an individual affected the common good. It affected the larger group of people that were around them. And that's a huge piece we miss as Westerners. We really miss that aspect of community, even though it's something that all of humanity has. It's not just certain parts of the world that want to be more connected. For some reason, as Westerners, we really individualize everything and we become far more independent To our own detriment, actually. Right. And we were never supposed to be an I only. That there is a sense of I, that me, Dale, I am created in the image of God. But in an even truer sense, we, humanity, together, are created in the image of God. And really what we're experiencing right now with this COVID lockdown is kind of a cartoonish version Mm. of what American individuality does it's not good for us i mean go to the grocery store like we were talking about right or if you look at the news and the level of hostility that has risen because we're living in isolation the level of just foolishness that we see has risen the level of depression has risen the level of abuse in homes has risen the level of alcohol and drug abuse has risen because we're in isolation we were never meant to be an i only we were meant to be a we And we've always been a broken we, and we've always put ourselves into tribes of people who look like us, talk like us, have the same dysfunctions as us. But really, when Jesus comes and the early church 
gets going. They begin to expand that understanding of the we. Where we have a little bit of an understanding of a we, we is people that look like me. We is people that talk like me. We is people that have the same culture as me. But we've been invited into a much bigger we as the church. For the early church, for a Jew and a non-Jew to call each other brother. That was unheard of. It's crazy. They were breaking all the rules of culture and society. So we've been called into this we that is much larger, that is much more enriching, that is a much fuller perspective of what the image of God is meant to be. Because the image of God is multivalent. It has these different sides to it. It has these different details, has these different parts of it that are accentuated in different people, in different cultures, in different ethnic backgrounds and tribes that come together as the church as the body of believers that really we are reconstituting the true community of what it means to be human by the power of the spirit of Jesus. And so even just apart from hanging out with people, hanging out with people around the purposes of Jesus, that's really where we begin to experience true community that is not of this current world, but it's the way that God intended it. Right. And Jesus was breaking all the boundaries, even in the people he was interacting with. I mean, you see the woman at the well, she was not supposed to be someone he was interacting with. We naturally want to find people that look like us, people that talk like us. And usually it's people that are in the same socioeconomic class as us or are educated in the same way that we are. But the beauty of the church and through the power of the Holy Spirit's continuing to do is bring people from every part of the world together. And in the book of Revelation, you see that every tribe and every nation and every tongue is going to be equally worshiping Jesus and glorifying him. And we want to see a glimpse of that here on earth. That's not just meant to be redeemed in heaven we are supposed to be seeing that here and that's what jesus did and that's the power of the church and the holy spirit drawing people from different walks of life and i can personally say i've seen that in my life because of church and i am introduced to different cultures different styles of life different ways of living and i would consider people that look drastically different from me live quite a different life than than I've ever lived really good friends of mine and it's not because of anything other than Jesus that has really built that bond and bridged that gap that would have normally existed because of our common culture today and it's true really if all you have in common with somebody else is Jesus then really you have everything you need to begin to form just a wonderful community. And the relationships that I have in my life are, are with people who aren't the same color as me, who aren't the same age range as me. Their kids aren't the same age as my kids. Some of them don't have kids. They come from different walks of life. They come from different tax brackets than me, different cultures, different upbringings. All of that has so enriched my life. It's enriched my perspective of the world. It's enriched my faith because different people understand their relationship with God from the lens of their 
their upbringing and all of those factors that make them who they are. And to get a glimpse of that is to get a new glimpse of humanity, but it's to get a new glimpse of God. It's to get a new glimpse of Jesus that's such an enriching thing that makes you more human. And I think you can see that in the positive as you're enriched by the community of faith of people who aren't necessarily the same as you. You can also see when it's missing in the lives of people who maybe just have a narrower perspective of the world, have a narrower perspective of God, have a narrower perspective of humanity, and and kind of unempathetic things come out of their mouths. Yeah. And you can tell, oh, this person only spends time with people who are the same color as them. Mm -hmm. This person only spends time with people who are in the same tax bracket as them or who have the same level of education right? or are just this narrow subset of people. There's something missing about our humanity when we are so narrow about our tribe. And Jesus has just invited us into something that's so much better than that. There's such a bigger vision for community than we're often comfortable with. And because we're not willing to step outside that comfort zone, we end up missing out on the richness of humanity that Jesus has made readily available to us by tearing down the wall of hostility that had been there and replacing it with the spirit of Jesus. Yeah. And what we need from community is, is more than just social interaction or sitting down and having good laughs together. Like those are important pieces of community, but community itself is good for our whole being good for us emotionally mentally physically you even see when someone is forced into isolation um it's a form of torture and right and we've seen documented cases of someone put in isolation it breaks something in you that oftentimes can't be fixed this side of eternity Right. And you even see the studies that just human touch alone is so important for us to live healthy whole lives. And that only comes in community. And a piece that I've really started to learn about community is when we intentionally or unintentionally isolate ourselves, we are hurting ourselves because There are specific moments in our life when you absolutely need other people. So if you haven't developed those communities, if you haven't been intentional about those communities, you find yourself lacking and you actually find yourself maybe being mad at those people that you thought were supposed to be there for you. Hmm. For example, I started Talbot saying, I want to do the very best I can. And that meant all A's. That meant A's in every single class because that's what I wanted to achieve. And that happened for a few years, but it cost me more than I wanted it to. Mm -hmm. And I didn't realize the trade-off until summer break came. And I realized I don't actually have anyone to hang out with right now because during the semester I was working full time and doing school full time and wanting to make sure I got an A. So that meant complete isolation outside of showing up to work, doing my job, showing up to school, 
and doing work. Even then, I couldn't really study with anyone because I needed to get back and do whatever else I was supposed to do in my busy schedule. That when it came to moments where I really needed people, I looked around and there wasn't anyone there. Right, because you had optimized your schedule so much that you had optimized the people right out of it. Exactly. I did. And you can even ask my family and they'll say like, yeah, we kind of didn't know where you went for a good three to four years. We never heard from you. I had to stop showing up to events. If there was anything last minute, I couldn't go because my schedule was so packed. You're right. I scheduled people right out of my life. And when it came to those big moments of life, I didn't exactly have anyone there. I am grateful for the Lord showing me that towards the latter end of school where I decided I don't need an A. That's okay because I need to develop this relationship before that opportunity has passed. I really had to start seeing the importance of community and making time for people, investing in people. Not only did I want to glean from it all of the good things that come from being in community, But I also knew that I had a role to play in community as well. Right. If you want to experience the goodness of community, you have to invest in community. And a lot of people, I think, find themselves in a situation that was similar to what you've experienced where you look up and you say, whoa, where are all my friends? Where are all the people that I'm going to hang out with? I used to have friends when I was in high school or when I was in undergrad college And it's easy to just fall into a sense of bitterness where, oh, so-and-so doesn't care about me anymore. They never reach out to me right? or there's no one who cares about me. And to really fall into a place of bitterness and inaction, and certainly there are people who will let you down. There are certain people who won't necessarily be there for you the way that you had hoped that they would. But by and large, if you are making the effort to invest in other people, that's where you're going to reap the reciprocity of that. But if you're never willing to invest your life in other people, then they're never going to be invested in your life. Yeah, and there's a piece of you not even opening up your life for them to invest in it. It's not only that they're saying, wow, you're not doing anything for me. I'm not going to do anything for you. It's not necessarily even that intentional. No, they just never even thought about you because you never reached out to them. They never reached out to you. You just never connected. And it is connecting deeper than, hey, how you doing? Good, fine, wow, great. Moving on. Like I'm not sharing the deep things of my life. I'm not sharing that I was up all night crying because when Silas was first born, I had no idea what I was doing. You were crying. He was crying. (laughs) I was crying. Were you crying? I don't know. (laughs) But, you know, there's different levels of relationships that you have. And that's okay because you can't be that deep with everyone. You can't share those uh, weightier things of your life with everyone. We even see that in Jesus where he had 12. He had 12 people. And then he had three. Right. You only have so much time and you only have so much capacity. You only have so much life. Yes, exactly. You only have so much life to truly share in deep ways with other people. And it's okay to not be able to be on that level with everyone. 
but you need to be able to be on that level with some people. I think this is something that everyone struggles with, but I think especially guys struggle with this. You'll notice with a, a lot of men that the same four buddies that they had in high school are the only friends that they have through the remainder of their life that they have that kind of deep connection with because as life transition happens and change happens, you know, maybe those things go apart, but it's hard to form new friendships. It's hard to form new deep relationships. And I might interact with a lot of people. Maybe I see them every day at the gym. Maybe I see them every week at church. Maybe I see them, you know, every so often on regular rhythms, but it can be like, oh, how was your weekend? Yeah, we did this and that. It's kind of the same old rehearsed kind of shallow conversations. Not that they're bad conversations. They're just not deep. And obviously, like when you're standing in the line at the supermarket, you know, seeing the same person, probably not a good time to dive into the deep end there. But I think for guys, it's hard to know how to start that hmm. and i think maybe there's a fear of rejection there that you just don't want to go there but then as a result all of your relationships are very shallow and you don't really have any real friends other than the couple of buddies that you catch up with once every six months because now they live out of state or you just don't get to see them right and you're just living in this isolation where there's this void of community because you just haven't formed deep relationships. And that's a really hard thing. But I think it's important to look at your life and to see where you can begin to create more depth of relationship. I think women are, are a little bit more natural at that. I think so. Are. I think it's a little bit easier for us. I've seen so many mom groups just here in Corona and there's really this sense of community even on social media that's that's really welcoming uh, for moms or first time moms or moms that are working like there's so many subgroups that are available to you to to really connect wherever your life stage is. And so I think you're right. It's a lot easier for women. And as you get older, I think it becomes a little bit scarier to develop new relationships because you might have had a really good friend and that relationship fell through or someone wronged you somehow and there just hasn't been reconciliation and you might be afraid to step into that again or you might even be tired of the work that it takes to be in those kinds of friendships. It takes investment, it takes time, it takes emotion and sometimes it means you need to be there for someone when you don't exactly want to but as a common phrase we say for friendship we're gonna do this and there's a lot of times where Dale and friendship I, yeah Dale and I will sit down and say do we want to do this eh, no not really but one of us will say for friendship and it's not that we don't want to be their friend but in that moment we're thinking it might be just where our schedule's tight or we're running from one event to the next and we think like, do we really want to go to, you know, that second party or go to this other social function when really we're feeling a little bit tired and we'll just kind of evaluate. No, we think this is important for friendship that we should be at this event or this function or whatever it might be. Kind of moving into the practical side of things of how we have seen community grow in our lives, how we have seen 
us become intentional about community. I think that's one of the pieces is evaluating situations and saying, for the sake of this friendship, we we do need to show up. We need to be there for them because we know this is important to them. Or when it comes to developing new relationships, something that you've become far better at than I have is actually just inviting people over. Right. And I've been trying out new recipes to experiment on people. Actually, that's not true. If you come over to our house... You're going to have like one of two meals. There's basically one of two meals. And all of you out there who have come over to our house, you probably know exactly what this it's meal is. It's either chicken or beef, and the, the side dishes are always the same. And I will warn you, if I ever invite you over and you don't like cilantro, let me know beforehand because I invited a good friend over and I made this cilantro lime chicken that I marinated. If and you it was, like cilantro, If it you like good. cilantro, it was if really good. If you don't like it. There's a certain portion of the population that they think cilantro tastes like soap. And if that's you... It's just going to be a nightmare. But my buddy was so good and he just ate it and he, he didn't so complain. He was so gracious. He ate the whole piece of chicken. We didn't even know until I think it was his wife that kindly, and she was even really kind about it and sweet. And I thought, oh no. There was so much cilantro. But anyways, so th- that actually is part of the reason why a lot of us don't invite people over to our house. We don't want to do something stupid or we don't want to be rejected because your home is the space that's safe for you and to invite someone over to your home, you're really inviting them into your life. They see the way you live. They see the way your family lives. They see the state of immaculance or disarray that your house is in or your baseboards being full of dust. Like those little things we think about. They just, they just see you. They're invited into your life. And so there's a vulnerability there. And so You know, I want to look up on Google what are the best recipes for entertaining friends or whatever it might be. But that's just a really important thing that you can be intentional with. Because I think for many of us who are like out of the age of college, we're into our careers, maybe you're married, you have kids, it it's just not natural to form those relationships. Say when you were in high school or you were in college, you just hang out with the people that had class with you and for whatever reason it was just really easy to form deep relationships with them because that's just the way it went or you were in sports and so the people that were on your team they just naturally you had this common experience that formed this deep relationship or maybe you were in the military and the people that you were stationed with or whatever common experience you had bonded you together for that time but as you get older and life becomes a little bit more routine you really need to be intentional about creating those spaces where you can have those new connections and those deep connections. And so one of those is just inviting people over to your home and you don't have to have a huge home. You don't have to have a beautiful home. I like our house. It's a nice house. It's not the the most gorgeous house. It's not the biggest house. It's tough to find parking, but it's such a good thing to invite people over. And whenever I have someone over or we have someone over, It's never a disappointment to me. We always enjoy it. And usually afterwards, we'll sit down and be like, wow, we need to do that again. And initially, I'll admit for me, there's always a lot of fear when we have someone over because I'm afraid of just being judged or I'm afraid. What if I offend someone? What if I cook the chicken and it's not cooked all the way through and then someone dies? Like, 
I oh mean, gosh. I know it went it went dark so quickly. Mine's the other side. I'm going to overcook it, and it's going to be dry, and they're going to want right. to stick the fork and just put it in their eye. Yeah, because well, nothing though- is worse than dry chicken breast. Nothing. I'd rather have you pull my fingernails off than have to eat a dry piece of chicken that's breast. Really, but I'll do it that's for disgusting. friendship. For friendship, yeah, that's gross. But for me, I just always get afraid. I'm afraid of again. Yeah, what if they show up and there's nowhere to park and they're really worried or they don't want to have to park into the next parking lot because our the way that our house is set up is really weird and like I just don't want them to leave with a really bad experience. So I would rather not even step into that because of how afraid I am that it's not going to go well. Or I'm going to be a bad host. What if I don't know how to host well? And I know some of those fears are really out there and they're really silly because if you were to probably ask some of our close friends that come over, they're like, yeah, we didn't care about any of that. Right. But for me, I do. And I have let it stop me from stepping into community way more times than it ever should have. And really at the root of that is just we all have this core fear that people aren't going to like us. And we're not going to be accepted. Right. And really it hampers all of us because the people that we're inviting into our lives, they probably feel the same way as we do that I'm afraid that they're not going to like me. And so everybody's just walking around life afraid that everyone else is not going to like them. It's not that people don't like you. They're too worried about you not liking them. And so we just never reach out to each other. We're always waiting for someone else to make the first move of community, to make the first move of connection. And if there isn't someone who's making that first move, who's doing the inviting, then community never happens. And so if we want to experience the richness of community, we have to step out into that and be the one who's doing the inviting, the one who's creating the community. Yeah, and I think a lot of the times our fear just gets in the way for whatever reason, whether it's fear of being hurt again, whether it's fear of not being accepted, or it's fear of you just not being able to get along with them naturally, we allow those things to stop us from living the abundant life that Jesus wanted us to live. We allow those things to hinder us from stepping into the richness of community that Jesus had designed for us. And we're not only hurting ourselves, we're hurting the people that we come into contact with who also need community, but we were just too afraid to engage in community with them. Because these feelings of isolation that we have right now, they're super exaggerated, but they are a picture of really what I think a lot of us feel anyways. Where we're living in a fast-paced culture. I mean, it's not fast-paced right now, but normally a fast-paced culture. We're all trying to go, go, go. We're all trying to do, do, do. We're trying to make something of ourselves. And really, we are trying to climb whatever ladder we're trying to climb. And we're just leaving people on the side. And really, at the end of the day, we can do so many great things. But if there wasn't a strong community there with you, then it's really not all that satisfying. And some of those things in the end didn't even matter. 
if you didn't have the opportunity to share them with people and not just share them with people, but share with people who loved you, who cared about you, who were invested in you. And I think those are the reasons, or at least some of the reasons, why community is so important. I once heard someone say, like, who's your eight? And the eight refers to the eight handles that are on a casket for pallbearers. Like, who are the people that are going to live with you and who are going to die with you? Or either you're going to bury them or they're going to bury you, whoever gets there first. And if you can't name those eight, then maybe it's time to go start finding some people to recruit for that. And the good news is you probably already know those people. You're probably already acquainted with them in some way. They probably need to add someone to their list of eight. And really what it just takes is that intentionality. So if you're thinking of those people in your mind, just shoot them a text, shoot them a call, get with them on Zoom if you're not burnt out on Zoom quite yet. And just begin to forge that relationship. Be intentional about it. Even just say like, hey, I need more friends. Will you be my friend? That sounds like it's such an awkward thing. But really, if you say that to someone, odds are it's going to be so refreshing to them because they're like, you need a friend? I need a friend. I thought I was the only loser who had no (laughs) real friends. Exactly. And so we would just encourage you to do that. Reach out to somebody. Don't be afraid. And really just step into the richness of life that Jesus has offered for us to live. And the way that we live it is together. Thanks for listening to the Her and Him podcast. If you enjoyed hanging out with us, consider subscribing to the podcast to receive it automatically each week. We'd also love it if you head over to iTunes to leave us a rating and review. And be sure to come visit us at herandhim.com, where you'll find show notes for this episode, our blog, and other resources to help you experience the abundant life that Jesus promised to us. Thanks again, and we'll see you next week. No matter what you're going through, you are not alone. Sis, if you've experienced pain in your father-daughter relationship, I want you to know that you are loved and seen. I'm Kia Stevens, host of the Hope for Women with Father Wounds podcast, and I created my show to help you exchange your father wounds for the love of God the Father. Join me for encouragement, wisdom, and scripture. Just search Hope for Women with Father Wounds on lifeaudio.com or wherever you get your podcast.